right, 10.30, we good? Yes? All right, well, it's good to see you guys. I want to ask you, if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles, or if you have a device with a Bible app on it, grab it, and let's go to Galatians 1 together. Galatians chapter 1, as, uh, as you're flipping there, and as our host team is continuing to take our offering this morning, um, here's the question that we'll start with, okay? Can we this morning all agree that we as people, especially American people, we are a people who love freedom? Would you agree with that? Like, I mean, here in America, we set aside a whole day every July to take off work, eat and drink way more than we should, and to blow things up very illegally to declare to the world that we are a free people, right? I mean, we love freedom. We in America are people who love to think, act, and behave however we want to think, act, and behave. And we don't think anybody should kind of infringe on those personal rights or liberties, correct? Now, here's the other side of this coin. Because we love freedom so much here in our country, can we also agree that when we feel like our freedoms are threatened, that we get defensive very, very quickly, right? Like I've seen this unfold over the last several months and I'm sure you have as well as we've all paid attention to different conversations going on in the political arena, um, conversations revolving around things like taxes, the economy, healthcare, um, conversations that have revolved around things like marriage equality, like gun control, right? Stuff that people here in the South, like we, we take that real seriously, right? And, and so we've watched these conversations and policy unfold that have reminded us that we truly are a people who hate other people infringing on what we hold so dear. And I've watched some people, man, you get on Facebook, people are crazy, right? You guys know that. Some of y'all are crazy, but you get on Facebook and, and you see people who love freedom so much that they have been ready to declare war over protecting certain freedoms that they love and hold dear. Now, I think the reason for that is very simple. Why do we get so defensive about our freedom? Well, well, here's why. Because once a person has tasted freedom and experienced what it's like to live in freedom, living without it seems unimaginable, right? And the fear of losing it or the fear of being denied it becomes the motivation to pursue it and to defend it at all times. Costs. Now, this book that we're diving into this morning, the book of Galatians from the Bible, it's a book about freedom. And I want you to know this morning that the guy who wrote this book, the Apostle Paul, he was a freedom lover. Like, he was obsessed with freedom like many of us are today. This guy, man, he was ready to go to war to defend certain freedoms that he held dear. Now, I want to be clear on something, okay? Paul, he didn't write this book that we're starting to study today in defense of political freedoms, all right? He, he was setting out to defend and to go after a far greater type of freedom. Paul, Paul wrote the book of Galatians about spiritual freedom. You see, Paul was a man obsessed with seeing people free from things like guilt, things like shame, things like condemnation. He wanted to see people freed from unnecessary religious rules and expectations. He wanted to see people free from living in regret over things that they had done in their past. Paul was a man obsessed with seeing people freed up from wondering if they could ever live up to the expectations that they believed God had for their lives. And as you're going to see over the course of the series starting this morning, 
Um, Paul was so serious about people experiencing true spiritual freedom that he literally declared war on a group of men standing in the way of people that he loved finding the freedom that he held so dear. So I want to start to explain that, all right? So if you have your Bibles open with me, um, let's start reading Galatians 1 verse 1 together. And if you don't have anything, then you can follow along on the screens. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Now, don't miss this part, okay? This is the part that we're going to dive in deep to in a moment. Paul goes on and he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That word accursed in the original Greek language of the Bible means dedicated to destruction. Let that person be destroyed. And he says, as we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, let me tell you what's going on here, all right, so we don't miss anything. Paul is writing this letter of Galatians, not just to one church, but to a group of churches in the province of Galatia, what we now know today as modern-day Turkey. And these churches that he's writing to, they're actually churches that he helped to start, okay? So he's writing to a group of people that he knows personally. He's writing to a group of people that he loves. And he's writing to a group of people um, to whom he actually went personally and preached a message of spiritual freedom. And we see from what we just read that Paul was writing these people for a couple different reasons. One, because he was angry. And second, in his own words, he tells us he's writing them because he's astonished. Now, I want to start with the angry thing first, all right? I want you to see why Paul is mad when he's writing this letter. The reason is simple, okay? Paul, we know from history and we know from this book, we'll see it over the course of the next several weeks. Paul went into Galatia. And he brought with him this very specific message that we'll talk about this morning about God, about Jesus, about spiritual freedom. And he went and preached this message as he started these churches. Well, after he left, a group of men called the Judaizers came in behind Paul and they preached a completely different message than the one he had preached. Like their message about God and Jesus and how to know true spiritual freedom totally contradicted the message that Paul brought with him and it has him frustrated. I mean, it has him angry. Angry again to the point where he's saying, those men, even angels, even any of us, if we come back and preach a message different than the one we originally brought to you, like let those people be destroyed. Let them be cursed. That's pretty angry, right? So for those of us that are sitting here going, Paul kind of sounds like a psycho. Um, Got to be honest. Like, did he not take his meds before he started writing this? Why is he that angry? Um, here's why he's that angry, Okay. Because the implications of believing the news that the Judaizers, this other group of men, brought with them into the churches in Galatia, the implications of believing that news were insanely destructive and insanely harmful. And Paul is adamant about defending the news that he brought. Now, I want to explain this so we get it, all right? Paul tells us in these verses 
that when he came to Galatia, he brought with him good news, all right? We see that reflected in this passage where Paul says when he came, he brought this news that we a lot of times in church call the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. Now, I know that that word gospel, like, it's kind of become a junk drawer term in a lot of churches. People just throw it around, gospel this, gospel that, and none of us really know what it means at the end of the day. Gospel, it's simple. The word literally means good news, so it's really easy. And so when we throw around that word gospel in church, it simply refers to the good news that we believe about who Jesus is and what he did when he came to the earth to provide spiritual freedom for people like you and people like me. So Paul says, when I came to Galatia, I brought this good news. And if you're sitting there going, well, James, what is that good news? I'm glad you asked, and I'm going to tell you, okay? Um, We're going to define the good news this morning so that we can understand why this other news that the Judaizers brought with them was such bad news. So here's the gospel, a simple framework so that we can understand it, all right? First off, um, if we're going to understand the good news of Jesus and spiritual freedom, we first have to understand who we are. And Paul provides this framework that we're going to dig into in the first five verses. And here's what Paul first tells us in verse four about who we are. Paul says, we are a group of people who need to be delivered, every single one of us. Or some of your translations in your Bibles might say rescued. We are a people who need to be delivered or rescued. And, and what do you and I need to be delivered or rescued from? So what we sang about earlier, right? From sin and from death and from hell. And so what that tells me is this, is if we need to be delivered or rescued from those things, then it must mean we're enslaved to those things and bondage to those things and that you and I can't free ourselves from those things on our own. We need somebody to rescue us. We need somebody to deliver us. So stay with me for a minute. Here's what I want you to hear. Like, I need you to know this morning that what makes you a Christian is not that you simply follow the teachings and the example of Jesus. You know that Jesus came to the earth for a far greater purpose than to just teach some stuff and to be a good example, right? Like, what makes you and I Christians is this, is the simple fact that we've been rescued by Jesus. The simple fact that we've been delivered by Jesus. Now, what did Jesus do to deliver us from those things, to rescue us from those things? Well, Paul tells us again in verse 4 that Jesus gave himself for our sins. And that word for there simply means on behalf of or in place of. And so when we say that Jesus gave himself on behalf or in place of our sins, here's what we mean. We mean that Jesus paid the price that your sins and my sins deserved by dying the death that your sins and my sins required. We know from the Bible that the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus, here's what he did when he went to the cross He became our substitute in death. He laid his life down in our place for our sins so that we could be free from sin, death, and hell and ultimately be accepted by God. And when you and I accept Jesus' plan, his offer to rescue us from all of those things, here's what happens. Jesus becomes our savior and we don't have to fear any type of punishment any longer from God for our sins. Now, the next thing we understand about the good news is this is what God did. What did God do? He raised Jesus from the dead, right? That's what Paul tells us in verse 1. And here's why God raised Jesus from the dead. He raised Jesus from the dead to say to all of us, Jesus' payment for your sins was good enough. Like, I accept it. It was God's stamp of approval. And Paul also tells us in verse 3 that he raised Jesus from the dead so that you and I could experience the grace 
and the peace that Jesus Christ accomplished for us and gained for us through his death and his resurrection. And lastly, and this is beautiful, don't miss this. Why did God do all this for us? Why did God send Jesus in the world to rescue us from sin, death, and hell by dying in our place for our sins? You know why God did it? Why he raised him from the dead? Here's why he did it. Because he wanted to. That's why he did it. I mean, Paul tells us again in verse 4 that God did all of this for us according to his will. Like, he didn't do this for us because we're all so awesome and we deserved it. Um, He didn't do it for us because we earned it. We worked really hard to show him that we were worth it. He didn't do it because we asked for it, right? He simply did it for us because he's a good God and because he's a gracious God. He did this for us because he's a God who loves us as his people. And this is exactly why Paul says in verse five that all glory should go to God concerning our salvation. Like you, you know when it comes to your salvation, God did all the planning, he's the one that took action, and he did all the work to achieve your salvation. And it's because of that that he deserves all the credit. So listen, can we agree that's good news, right? That's salvation, rescue, freedom, deliverance from sin, death, and hell. Like, all of that stuff is a free gift that God gives us. It's not something we earn for ourselves. It's something that Jesus has earned for us, and all we have to do is receive it. Now, let's go back to Paul being angry, okay? Paul was angry, seething, mad, because there were men coming into the churches in Galatia, and as he says, they were perverting or distorting that good news. They were hijacking it. They were taking it, and they were turning that news into something else, and by turning that news into something else, it became bad news very, very quickly. Now, that word pervert or distort there in Galatians chapter one, it just means to reverse. So I wanna show you what these men were actually doing, all right? Um, first, let's talk about this. If they're reversing the good news, the gospel message of Jesus, then that has to mean that there's a right order to the news, right? And how we respond to it. And so back to what we just talked about, Paul tells us and he lets us know when you and I, when we accept Jesus' offer to rescue us from sin, death, and hell, at that point, God accepts us, like fully, totally, in spite of all of our junk, mistakes, sin, imperfections, like when we will come and believe that God sent Jesus to rescue us by dying in our place for our sins, and he raised him from the dead, and he did it out of his grace for us and his love for us, the Bible tells us that God accepts us, that our sins are totally and fully forgiven, and that there's nothing we can ever do to make God love us more, and that there's nothing we can ever do to make God love us less. And because, because God accepts us, our response as followers of Jesus should be to then live in obedience to God, to follow him, to do the things he wants us to do, because we get that he accepts us and loves us. So that's the right order of the gospel, okay? That's our response to the good news. Now, what these men were coming into Galatia and preaching was the reverse of this. So here's what they were preaching. They were preaching, no, 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 no. If you want God to accept you, if you want God to love you, if you want God to be pleased with you, it's gonna require some things of you. Like, you're gonna have to follow and obey him and do what he says and be the person he wants you to be. And if you'll pull all of that off, then God will accept you. I mean, they came into the churches in Galatia preaching this message. They walked in the door and they said, listen, um, believing in Jesus, it's not enough. Just accepting what God's done for you, it's not enough. Here's what you have to do. And they started telling these people in Galatia, 
non-Jewish people that if they really want God to accept them, that they were also gonna have to convert to Judaism, which meant they were gonna have to obey all the Old Testament law. They were gonna have to um, adhere to the strict Jewish dietary uh, restrictions. They were gonna have to um, observe Jewish traditions and feasts. And men, don't, don't miss this. It also meant that the men, they were gonna have to be circumcised. Awesome, right? Now, listen, if you don't know what circumcision is, that's not something you wanna go home and Google this afternoon, okay? Like, you might see something you don't wanna see, so find somebody you trust and ask them. But listen, men, I'm assuming not many guys were giving their lives to the Lord back in that time, right? I mean, can you imagine that invitation? Fellows, we're we're gonna sing a song at the end of this service, and you just come forward for a little surgery, and God is gonna be awesome with you, right? Like, I'm out. There's no way I am, you know, buying into that message, but this is the message that was being preached by these guys. And again, Paul is seething. He is angry about this to the point that he says that these men should be a curse. Now, now what we need to do next is this. Now that we know why Paul is angry, we need to talk about why he's astonished. I mean, these men came in preaching this message, follow and obey, God will accept. He's going, no, 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 I got the best news, great news. You don't have to do anything, just accept Jesus and his gift, and then God will accept you. Here's why Paul's astonished. He's astonished because the the Christians in those churches in Galatia, listen, they were choosing to believe this message in place of this one. They were choosing to buy into the message that the Judaizers were selling them in place of the one that Paul brought to them originally. And Paul's sitting back. He's at a loss for words. He's sitting here going, are you guys kidding me? I can't believe that you would trade this news for this news. He's dumbfounded, right? Like, have you guys ever witnessed someone or been around someone that did something so dumb that you were literally left speechless? Yeah, you guys heard stories like this? I I read this story this past week of uh, this guy in Russia. This was an actual news story who wanted to win his ex-wife back over, like they had been divorced for a couple years. So here was his plan. He decided he was going to mail her a homemade bomb in a package so that, so that when she opened it up, it would explode and she would get really hurt and then he could kind of come to her rescue, right? And she would realize through this very traumatic experience that her ex-husband loved her, he was gonna be there for her, and she'd wanna get back with him. And I'm reading this going, that is dumb, right? I mean, listen, men, if you're married and you're fighting with your wife, do not blow her up, okay? <laughs> if, if you're single in the room, like you don't need to go after a girl by destroying her, all right? Like, be nice, buy some flowers. I mean, don't blow her up, okay? I mean, this whole thing backfires on this guy because not only did his wife, ex-wife, get really, really hurt, um, but this guy ended up in jail because the cops figured out he was the one who blew his ex-wife up. So, I mean, that is just dumb. Like, that leaves us speechless. I I imagine that Paul must have felt the same way when he's hearing, you guys are seriously trading this in for this. Like, you guys really want to believe this message over this message. This is not good news. This is horrible news. This is amazing news, but you want to believe horrible news over amazing news. What is wrong with you people was Paul's response. Now, if you're sitting here in the room and like Paul, you're kind of dumbfounded, wondering to yourself, what in the world would cause people to choose this news over this news? I think the answer is really simple. I think the answer is the same answer that causes people today to trade in this news for this news, and and here it is. 
I think people choose this over this because this amazing news, this great news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, listen, it seems almost too easy to be true, right? I mean, it seems so easy that it's almost unbelievable. Stay with me, I'll explain what I mean, okay? What seems natural and logical to us, I get it, is this news, okay? Like, I don't think anybody in the room this morning wants to argue that, that any of us, all of us, have not fallen short of being the type of people that God wants us to be, right? Like, we've all made mistakes, we're all imperfect, some of us have done some really jacked up things throughout our lives, like, we're all sinful people at the end of the day. And again, what seems natural and logical to us is this, is I know I'm kind of jacked up, I know I've done some things wrong, and what I feel like I need to do is I need to make myself a better person, I need to try really hard and do some good things to show God that I'm serious about trying to be a type of person that he could love and accept. And so here's what we do. We come to church and we sing songs and we give some money and we try to be a moral person and we don't drink or smoke or cuss or watch rated R movies unless they're about Jesus. And we do all of these things, right? In hopes that at the end of the day, I'm a person that God can love and accept now. Like, God, I know I have the imperfections and my faults, but I'm trying really, really hard. And so, God, I'm just hoping that you're going to know how hard I'm trying, see that, and accept me and be pleased with me. That's what seems natural and logical, right? What seems unnatural, what seems illogical, what seems too easy, that it's almost unbelievable, is this news that says, yeah, dude, you're screwed up. Yeah, you're a sinner. You've done some horrific things. You've been selfish and you've been prideful and you've lived a lot of your life not caring about God or his plan for you. And dude, you've done things you should be ashamed of, but listen, there's nothing you have to do to make up for that stuff. And there's nothing you can do. God has done something for you through Jesus to pay off all of what you owe him for how jacked up you are. You don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is accept God's plan to rescue you from sin, death, and hell through Jesus. And when you do that, God fully accepts you. He totally forgives you all your sin, past, present, and future. You cannot be more forgiven or more accepted than totally and fully, right? And in response to that, the fact that God accepts you in spite of you, not because of you, but because of what Christ has done for you, in response to that, you now get to live your life in obedience to him because you get, man, that you are loved by God. That news seems insane, doesn't it? Too easy. I would imagine that some of you are still sitting in the room going, I don't know, James. Bro, you don't know what I've done, right? There's some of you sitting here probably thinking to yourself, you don't know what I struggle with. Dude, if, if you knew, if you only knew what I've done back there in the, in the history of my life, how I've treated people, the things that I've pursued, like it can't be as easy as me just believing in Jesus and God accepting me. Here's what I want to say to you, two things, Okay. And I want you to know that I'm saying both of these things out of love for you and out of concern for you, okay? Two things. One is this. If that's you, I don't know if I can believe this. First off, man, you gotta quit being prideful. You gotta quit being prideful. Like, do you get that for you to believe this morning that your issues, that your mistakes, your imperfections, your mess-ups are too big for God? To believe that God isn't gracious enough to forgive you, what you've done, 
to believe that you can do a better job of making yourself acceptable to God than Jesus can. Listen to me, you get that's insanely prideful, right? And I know that this news, man, it seems so easy and it seems unbelievable, but some of us this morning, man, if we're gonna experience true freedom in our lives, we've gotta be willing to lay down our pride and to start believing this message even though it seems unbelievable to us. The next thing is this. Um, some of us this morning, we've just gotta quit being insecure. We've gotta quit being insecure. Have any of you guys ever been in a dating relationship and maybe you're in a dating relationship now, um, but you ever been in one of those where you end up with this like, really insecure, crazy, codependent person who's always worried about how you feel about them? You ever been in a relationship like that? They come around and they're like, do you love me? Do you care about me? And you're thinking to yourself, you're annoying and would you quit? And good gracious, I wouldn't be in a relationship with you if I didn't care about you and love you, right? We all know how annoying it is to be in that relationship with that very insecure person who always questions whether or not we love or care about them. Listen to me. Can you imagine how annoyed God must get with some of us? Some of us who walk around every day and go, God, do you love me? God, do you accept me? And I'm just thinking God's sitting back going, I killed my son for you. Like, I mean, did I not do enough to prove to you that I love you and accept you? Like, I imagine God looks at some of us sometimes, those of us who are trying hard to earn what's already ours in Christ, and I gotta imagine God sitting back sometimes going, dude, you are annoying, quit trying so hard, I love you, I accept you, just love me in return, right? Like, some of us, we gotta lay down our insecurities and know that if we know Jesus, we are fully, totally, and forever accepted by God, and nothing can ever change that. And we're going to live in response to that every single day of our lives. So here's the final challenge today, and we'll keep it really, really easy, okay? What do we do with all this? Like, how do we respond to what we've heard this morning? Really easy, all right? You choose good news. You see, if you want spiritual freedom in your life, if you want to be free from past mistakes, free from regret, free from shame, free from wondering how God feels about you, the road that leads to that type of freedom, it begins with you choosing to believe the good news that we've talked about this morning. That means those of us in the room, again, who uh, we say we know Jesus, like he's our savior, he's our God, it, it means for you that you gotta wake up every day and you gotta choose to believe that good news every single day. Now, I'm not talking about like you get saved every day, right? You don't need to get saved 877 times in your life, you, but I'm saying you need to wake up every day and re-choose to believe that good news because what inevitably happens in all of our lives, we drift from it, right? We, we forget it and we start thinking again, well, I've got to do some things to help God like me and that's just not true. And so you got to wake up every day and remind yourself, I'm accepted, I'm loved and in response to that, I'm going to follow and obey today. For those of you who are in the room and you've never made a decision to choose that good news for the first time, like you've never believed that Jesus is your savior, that you're loved by God and that God proved his love for you by sending Jesus to rescue you from sin, death, and hell and to give you freedom. Um, man, that's where it's gotta start, with that decision. Mm -hmm. And so today, um, man, I, I wanna just allow you right in this place before you leave to choose that good news for the first time in your life. And so I just wanna ask you all over the room, if you will, just to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you do need to make that decision, 
and just come to God and say something like this to him. Right now in your seat, the quietness of your heart. Just say, God, I want to choose that good news today. God, I believe it. God, I know I've made mistakes. I know I'm not perfect. And I know I need freedom, God. And I believe that you sent Jesus to free me from my sin, to free me from death, to give me eternal life, to set me free from past mistakes, from regrets, from shame, from guilt. God, give me freedom today. God, I want to know you. I want to be accepted by you. So God, forgive me. Give me eternal life. The Bible tells us, man, if you believe that, you pray that, you confess those things to be true about Jesus. You choose to believe that good news that God keeps his promise to set you free from all of those things. That even right now in this place, he, he's making you a new person. That right now you can be hopeful about your future, knowing that God is with you. You can be hopeful about death, knowing that after you pass from this life to the next, that you will enter into eternity and you will spend your life there, your eternity there with God. God, I just pray for the rest of us. God, free us up. Help us to believe the good news every day of our lives. God, some people in here, they, they do, they need to be free from shame and from guilt and regret. Some people need to be free, God, to look toward the future and to not live in their past. And I pray that over them today, God, set them free. Remind us in this moment that we are forever accepted by you if we know you and have accepted your offer of rescue through your son, Jesus. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And God, help us every day of our lives to live in response to all that you are and all that you've done for us as people who needed to be set free. God, we love you more than we can express in words. And we thank you again for first loving us. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Matt, come lead us. You guys stand. We're going to sing and celebrate this good news.